Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 23. You know, this week, uh, it seems to have been the theme lately. A couple uh, union guys on before, and this week, another union Dutchman alumni is joining the podcast. So, a uh, little claim to fame for me. Uh, this guy sniped me once in college. I believe it was one of his first games, so not a big deal. Uh, I'd like to think that I helped him get to where he got today. Just kidding. But, uh, no, another guy that went the college route. Um was able to have some success in North America after that, both in the NHL and AHL, and now is currently playing in the top Swiss league in Lugano. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel Carr. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, like we always we always go back to the beginning with all our guests. So um you were born in Sherwood Park, Alberta, Canada. Um, is that where you first uh learned to play ice hockey and where you grew up? Um, so actually I grew up in Fort Saskatchewan, which is like a small, was a, a smaller town of like 12,000 people just north of Edmonton. Um, uh, it's where my dad was from and where we grew up till I was like 12. Um, so that's where I started playing hockey. Uh, uh, my, my father was a, played pro hockey in switzerland a little bit in the second league but he was mainly a university player at the university of alberta so he uh we always had a rink in our backyard growing up and that's uh where i learned to play hockey and um kind of a a funny story my brother is two and a half years older than me so we never got to play together except for my first year of hockey and uh my dad was the coach and they let me play as an underage because my uh my dad was a coach so the three of us got to be on the same team just one time yeah. that must have been a cool experience little family yeah family it was yeah it was i think um it was a lot of fun and you know i still have lots of pictures from that year so it was really cool the the rink in the backyard too like i think a lot of canadians would relate that you know, that was our childhood, like, especially before global warming, uh, a lot of places and especially out in Alberta, I'm sure it was colder than in Ontario was for me, but we had one too. And I'm sure that's, uh, played a big part in your, your development. So talk, talk to me a little bit about like your, your minor hockey path. Like where did you, um, kind of play most of your minor hockey and how was it structured in Alberta? Cause that's not something I'm very familiar with. Like in Ontario, it's like triple A, double A, single A, like, is it similar in Alberta or is it a little different? Yeah, when I was growing up, it was like single A, double A, triple A, all the way up to um, midget, which would be U17 or U18 now. Um, so I started in Fort Saskatchewan. And then when I turned my first year Bantam, so that would have been U15, um, it was the, the first year that dave roy started the pursuit of excellence academy um and but it was completely different back then like we went to Kelowna for a year and we just practiced um and that was my first year bantam so i'm a november birthday i was a late grower uh and i was really small and so my first year bantam i just we just practiced and played against each other and um it was great um so but that was when it, like the academies were completely different this is almost 20 years ago now so um it was that was a really interesting year uh and then i came back to alberta and played bantam triple a uh and that's the year in alberta the western hockey league draft i was never drafted um i was still maybe five four maybe five four five five um i played on a line where we were one three and four in alberta in scoring for the Bantam triple a league and uh then from there i went and played in the uh in alberta they had set up like a 15 year old league so the 15 year olds were only allowed to play midget triple a or this 15 year old league and if they didn't make that team then they went and played um like midget a or something like that so um I played in that 15 year old league. And from there, that's when I, um, I actually never played midget triple a mid that year. Midget triple a was the, uh, first team I ever got cut from. And, uh, I don't know if I'm misspeaking here, but 
I don't think I got cut out, cut again until my first NHL camp. So, yeah. Well, there's lots of, lots of talk there. Like obviously, yeah. you know, similar to the juice who I've had on before, yeah. like small yeah. guys growing up and then didn't really yeah. hit their growth spurt. So when, when exactly did you hit like your growth spurt where you kind of got some size? The summer going into, I think I went, uh, that's summer when I was 15 I went from like five four to five nine, and then my sixteen year old year, I started the year at five nine, and ended at like I think right now like my running line on any uh, height chest is I can cheat and get six feet. So <laughs> whatever whatever you want to take of that, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I I kind of grew. I was late, like I was fifteen sixteen. So probably in the 17 growing still. Yeah. But with being, you know, a, a late grower, as you say, like mm-hmm. you still were able to make the jump to the Alberta junior hockey league, which is a very well-known junior league in, in Canada at such a young age, like you jumped at 16, did you not? And were able to, mm-hmm. you know, have yeah. an impact right away. Yeah. As a, well, so like it was, you know, it it was different because I was still 15 when I was at the start of my 16 year old year. Um, and I lucked out. There was some we'll call one of the guys is still one of my best friends. And um, there were some older guys that just kind of like took care of me and made sure like they're like, this isn't like even your typical rookie. Like this guy's this guy's a kid. Um, and I was lucky that those guys kind of took care of me and took me under their wing. And um, so. It, it was a it was an interesting um kind of dynamic to grow up in that setting with guys that are 20 years old 18 19 20 years old when you're still 15 um so that was it was interesting it was i learned a lot and learned a lot quickly and um and then hockey wise beyond that like i norm lacombe was the co- coach uh, i played for the oilers played for buffalo um, he was actually my strength coach too. And I would say outside of my family, he was him and the general manager, Greg Parks were kind of the first two guys that believed I could be a play, like be a hockey player. Um, so that's when they picked me that I didn't, hadn't even played midget triple eight year before. And, um, they picked me for that team as one of the, as a 16 year old. And, you know, they gave me opportunity to play. Like I played every game and, um, I, but by the end of the year, I had gotten a lot better. And like I said, I'd kind of grown a little more, got a, a little more physically stronger. And um, it was, it was like, when I look back, it was like one of the years that I just kind of physically grew, but also like grew as a person a lot more too. like, um, to kind of like understand, like, this is something that I can do and something that if I work at, I'd, keep getting better at it. it's something that it's a there's an opportunity here for me to keep going in hockey well that's a crazy like experience to have at such a young age like something to learn like that right because a lot of guys yeah. it comes later in life for some people like they learn too yeah. late where you were obviously exposed yeah. to it at, as you said at 15 and i'm curious so after that first year in the alberta junior hockey league like you've obviously did well i would say for for being so young you put up some points were you getting any interest at all from like the Western Hockey League at that point? Yeah, I had a so the following year, uh, my 17 year old year, I came in and I had a good start. Um, I as a 16 year old, no NCAA schools can talk to you directly, but they'd all just go talk to my dad. Um, uh, my father was a lawyer and had a, did a few other things, but um, he had a like a small agency practice where he'd help players. Um, he started helping players that he played with at the university of Alberta and then kind of always had two or three clients. So he, um, they were, when I was 16, the schools would give him their card for having me call them. And, uh, uh, for like uh, juice who knew my dad and those guys who knew my dad, it's kind of funny. Cause he didn't even tell me about it. He was like, no, nah, just go play. We'll figure this out later. Um, and, uh, so the following year I came in and had a good start and then there was a bunch of Western hockey league teams, um, calling me to come play for them and leave junior a and go play major junior. 
Um, and, uh, one guy, um, uh, the assistant general manager of Red Deer, uh, called me and he was speaking to me and I had already had, a, I was 17. So I could talk to schools. I was already talking to a bunch of schools and he said to me, he's like, uh, I was like, kind of, no, no, I don't, I'm not really interested. And he's like, can I speak to your dad? And, um, my dad was very pro college hockey, uh, very pro, not even for the hockey part, but just for the life experience part of part of the growing up experience and, and going to university and getting your degree and graduating. And, um, and so was my mom. And I remember <laughs> this, uh, assistant GM was like, can I speak to your dad? I'm like, I don't think you want to do that. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. I really want to speak to your dad. I'm like, all right. Gave my dad the phone and he's telling my dad about the Western hockey league scholarship program. And my dad asked him, um, uh, uh my dad says, yeah. And you know who runs that program? And he said the gentleman's name. And my dad goes, yeah, he's not the brightest guy and hung up the phone. <laughs> It was like my mom looked at me and goes, Well, I guess you're not going to Red Deer. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I guess that door is closed. Uh, yeah, I guess that door is shut. <laughs> no, but that's uh you know, like you raised or your 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 parents obviously had a strong belief of, you know, going NCAA, for example, is it's not just about the hockey, it's about the life experience and also like getting your education, which I think a lot of people, a lot of parents would support. Mine were the same way. Uh, whatever, you, when you get that degree, whatever you want to do after is up to you. And um, you know, I'd say we both have been doing that. You ended up playing three years there in the Alberta Junior League, and then you end up. I don't know if it was halfway through the year you ended up going to the BCHL. I'm just curious, like what what happened there, and like what made you want to change, or did just a trade happen? Yeah, I got traded. Um, so we were in like I was. Uh, we were in seventh or eighth place in Alberta out of 12 teams or, or um, however many teams were in the league then. And Powell River was in first or second uh, in their division um, out, out west. And I had played with Matt Bodie on the Team Canada West team. And so our GM had talked to me about what do I want to do and um, I was like, well, it's my last year junior. I'd like a chance to win. Um, and so then the trade came through for me to go to Powell River. And um, I knew Matt really well. And uh, so I ended up going. And, you know, it was a it was a great experience. It was um, it was very different. Um, like I had only lived at home before and. Um, so it was kind of a nice stepping stone for me to go out there. I, I like the league is a little faster in BC than it is in Alberta. And, um, it's just a little different style of hockey too. Um, and, you know, being in Powell river, which is a very, very small town that takes two ferries from Vancouver to get to, and a different ferry from Vancouver Island to get to, um, was just an awesome experience. Like, um, I still keep in touch with the one billet family that I was with. And, um, you know, it was like, it was great people there. And just, uh, Kent Lewis was the coach and he was, you know, he was really intense and I learned a lot from him, um, just about showing up to compete every night, um, and not just kind of skilling your way through the game. Um, and, it was it, it was a great experience for me. I, it wasn't always easy for me there. I think I got there and didn't score for like the first five or six games or, or I scored the first game and then didn't score for five or six. And um, it was a great experience for me to kind of learn how to adjust quickly um, and uh, living wise and on the ice. Um, and, you know, it was I loved it and uh, I was really grateful because i think one of the biggest things that came out is kind of got uh got to know matt Bodie even better and he was going to union with we were going to union together and um it was just a it was it was an awesome experience we ended up losing to vernon in game seven of the bchl championships and vernon went on to win the world bank cup so um and one of our other classmates was uh, on that Vernon team or from Union was on that Vernon team. So he had a little bragging rights for the next still, actually. 
St- still going. No, you brought one thing I you brought up, which I think it was important. And I was I was going to talk to you about union because it felt like that transition for you was like seamless, like from junior to school, because obviously you were very productive in your years there. But just what you talked about, like going to uh, BCHL there, like you never lived away from home, like you got used to all that stuff. It probably, as you said, like prepared you to have an easier transition to going to college because obviously college is far away from home. You knew kind of what to expect, like living on your own, um, you know, the coaching the BCHL was teaching you how to compete. And obviously you had two coaches in, in union that were all about uh, hard work and competing. So um, what made you end up choosing union? Cause you were, t- you said before, like you were talking to a lot of schools. So what evidently like was like union colleges, like school I want to go to. So I was actually committed to Princeton. Um, I was co- like unofficially committed to Princeton. Um, Guy Godowski the head coach of Princeton or was the head coach. Now he's at Penn state. Um, and guys from Edmonton, um, and his father goes and watches all the Alberta junior league games there. And he knows every player. And, um, they had called me, they were one of the first schools to call me and been like, come here. And, um, I just couldn't get in. Um, and it was like one of those things that everything happens for a reason. You learn certain skills at different points in life. And, they had a deal that I had to tie their lowest academic index player, which is like a combination of your SAT score and your high school grades. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to tie their lowest player and they would let me in. Um, and I just couldn't, or I didn't get a high enough grade on the reading comprehension. And it was one of those things I hadn't really learned yet how to work to that level on something. Um, so. I didn't get in and then I had uh, the assistant coach who was at Cornell at the time um, wanted me to come there. Uh, So then I thought I was going to go to Cornell and the head coach came up, watched me play one exhibition game and pulled my offer after the game. He's like, you're not coming here. And uh, after one exhibition game. uh, So uh, after that, I visited Union and I got there and I just kind of spent some time around the culture and around um, the coach Lehman, coach Bennett. Coach Bennett was actually the one who first saw me play. And then Lehman came out the next day to watch me play and they wanted to bring me in. And so I went there, I walked around campus. Um, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I kind of just liked the people around the program, like, um, and where I felt the program was going um, and just had a good feeling about it. Like I wanted to go to a good school um, in Edmonton where my uh, family had moved to insured park. I lived uh, 25 minutes from the university of Alberta, which is a very good school. So I didn't want to leave home to go to, um uh like a education system that didn't equate so um i ended up coach bennett came out um and was like we kind of need to know and i remember going for breakfast with him and my dad and leaving saying to my dad dad i think i want to go to union he was like okay and um <laughs> looking back it's uh one of the best decisions i've ever made so well <clears throat> first to just comment on your four years there in terms of productivity like you scored 20 or more goals three of the four years um your worst season and i say worst in quotations was 32 points which is still pretty respectable for college because college obviously the points aren't as high as they are in major junior at times because you're playing as older guys it's a different type of hockey but <clears throat> One thing I, I just noticed from talking to to you, talking to Troy, talking to Juice is just like you you guys are every time you talk about union, it's it's as if like, you know, it just changed all your guys' lives, the bond you guys made, uh, you know, as as teammates, you know, it just seemed like everything there was exactly what you guys wanted and, and even even more, because a lot of you guys went on to have pro careers still have pro careers to this day but you still talk about the union days you're still friends with a lot of those guys i don't think like 
I don't think all, all schools can say that, you know, like, I think there's still some others that are, would be the same, but like, it just seems like you guys for the four years you were there, the three years that Troy and Josh were there, like, it just seemed like you guys had this bond that was like unbreakable. Yeah. I, I, what I think a lot of that has to do with is the way coach Bennett ran things. Um, I, I talked with another player who was two years below us who played in Switzerland last year. Uh, we got together quite a bit, Matt Wilkins. Um, and, you know, you're, you're going to university, like, life's pretty good. You don't really have any real problems. And what Coach Bennett did so well, um, looking back on it, was he created adversity for us. And I think through all of us having to get through that adversity, it bonded all of us. And we all had to get through it together and we all had to grow up together because he, the situations he would create made us grow up. Um, and I consider coach Bennett a, a good friend now. And, you know, and I know that he went through that adversity in his life and he wanted us to understand that life's not fair. Life's not going to give you anything. And he created that adversity for us, and this is just my opinion, to make us grow up, to make us realize that those lessons and learn them in a very controlled environment. And I think we all had to get through it together. Um, and, you know, I think that's – we had great players. We had players that all bought into the culture of working, of – getting better every day of doing those things to get better. And, but then just the character of the people that they brought in, like um, it, it was just an amazing experience and you got to grow up with amazing people around you um, and people that pushed you to get better and people that like, I, I think of a conversation I had with a classmate that um, changed my life. It just changed the way I looked at the world and, um, made me a way better person. Um, like we had people around that did that for that, that pushed you to do those things. And, uh, um, it's, it's a special bond that we all have. And, uh, it's, I think it's still like a special place in all of our hearts. We'll get to, uh, your last year there, because obviously mm -hmm. it was, a. Uh... Significant one, but just to kind of reiterate what you said about Coach Bennett there and creating that adversity for you guys. So, my one of the other things I want to talk about is the famous spring workouts. So, Josh has talked about them, Troy has talked about them, but I've said, and you can go on to explain them in your own words as well. But I've said these workouts that he basically challenged you to the absolute limit. It wasn't, it was physical, but it was more mental and, and it was going to what you were saying. Like he was creating that adversity, preparing you guys for life after union because it is college is living yeah. in a bubble for four years it's fake life you really yeah. have no worries as you said but then life after that whether it's pro hockey full-time work uh playing in europe whatever it is there's going to be unfair moments there's going to be things that you have to earn everything you get and i think that's how we really helped prepared you guys for life after but anyways let's hear about your spring workout stories any of them you want to share <laughs> uh um, well, it, it's tough because this is 10 years ago, like oh, 14 years ago on some of them and it, and the culture was different just in the world. So, um, you know, it, it's tough. I, I think the funniest one, we had this 4.30 AM workout and one guy had missed a meeting with the athletic director the day before. And, um, he was encouraged to wear a clock around his neck the whole workout and he was a tall skinny guy and it was his choice to wear it and he, he'll tell you that himself <laughs> he's tall skinny guy running around with this big clock around his neck and it was the funniest thing i've seen in a like one of the funniest things i've seen in my entire life and uh <laughs> i'll never forget dude he just was like looking at him and he just looked back at me and goes, I missed the meeting with the AD yesterday. So I've got to figure out what time it is. <laughs> Thank you. I think he learned his lesson on that one. <laughs> yeah. I think he learned his lesson. Yeah. That was funny. 
that's that is very funny i'm sure a lot of the boys were laughing and hard to take their actual workout seriously but um as i mentioned you end up you were one of the guys that ended up staying for four years at union so like the other two guys we've had on they end up leaving they went signing pro and you know evidently you get to be one of the lucky ones who ends up winning a national championship that last year um i'll just let you take us through the year basically the feeling of winning and again just kind of that camaraderie you know like how everything kind of fell into place well our starting goalie got hurt the first game of the year like colin stevens got hurt the first game of the year and so we end up i think we beat and tied bowling green the first weekend and the next weekend we had a freshman starter and our third string goalie and we got swept by lake state our second weekend of the year and um then <laughs> so things exact weren't exactly looking up uh, at the start of the year but then i think everything kind of settled in and um we got in a roll and um and i i like i said i think um we just had such a good group of people around um and such a good group very good players but just good people and um we had that incident with at rpi where we had uh like let's call it a college version of a bench clearing brawl uh at the end of the game um this at the we did a crosstown rivalry game at uh, times union center in albany against rpi um where the coaches got involved on the ice and uh um kind of the subtle thing that not many people know about that whole situation is the reason our coach bennett got set off is because their coach said something to me i was the ref was dragging me off the ice and their coach said something to me and rick heard it and he lost it and um he got in a lot of trouble for having my back um and that's something i'll never forget um and that whole incident just we didn't lose a game after that. That was the last game we ever lost in college. Uh, we won, I think we won 17 straight or 14 or 17 straight to win the national championship from there. Um, and we just, we were just really good. Like we played really fast. Um, all of our depth players were so disciplined in everything they did. And like, you know, we had ghosts who obviously had an amazing game in the national championship like an unbelievable performance but what kind of everyone forgets is like what won us the national championship and carried us all the way through like our depth players scored some huge goals for us like huge goals for us that we wouldn't have won like our third line was our best line in the national championship i think they had four goals um and we we were just so deep and our and it was just so fun and that feeling after winning uh, you know i was all the seniors on the ice uh at the last uh couple seconds of the game and that feeling of winning with guys you grew up with and your closest friends is just something uh like i'm getting chills right now talking about it it was just something that was so special well, you got to live that cliche the saying, mm -hmm. right? Win, win your last game, and you won your last yeah. ever game of college, and obviously went mm -hmm. out in the best way possible. And you know, it's a good way to close a chapter there. I think of Union like the perfect way to close it. And then for you, next, it's 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 off to pro hockey, and you end up uh, playing in the AHL the next year for Hamilton. Like, how was that transition from college to to the AHL for you? Because like. For me, just looking on the outside, I believe you had most goals by an AHL rookie that year with 24. So it seemed like, you know, everything you had learned from uh, Coach Bennett, you know, winning in college transitioned pretty easily to the pro game. Um, yeah, so I'll back up a little bit. So I had I, I had a uh, torn labrum in my shoulder and I tore it in about February, uh, my senior year of college, and I kept playing with it. And then I signed my contract with Montreal in the hospital waiting room in Montreal to get shoulder surgery. Um, so I went into that year and 
going into pro hockey, you don't realize there's a different level of conditioning. There's a different level of strength. There's a different level of all those things in pro. And I'll never forget my first training camp. Uh, and I got lucky because to me, like coming off shoulder surgery, that this shouldn't change like your conditioning or your cardio or whatever, et cetera. I got humbled. Um, we did a skate test in Montreal back then that I remember uh, I got embarrassed by the guy. I, I did it. Three guys did it at a time and I got embarrassed by the guy who won the test. And um, a little bit after that, I fought an uphill battle at the start of my first year when I got sent to the American League. Um, I scored my first game. Um, then we had a week off between our first game and our second game. Two guys got sent down from Montreal to play. And I was on the fourth line for the next like two months playing five minutes a night, six minutes a night, maybe. Um, but as things go, I, um, I, a couple guys got hurt in the organization on our team. A couple guys got hurt in Montreal. So guys got called up, um, kind of had stuck with it and just, um, kept going and I started to play more and then started to figure out a little more and started to score. Um, but yeah, that first year, I think I had 24 goals, but I think I only had like four at Christmas. Um, so I had 20 goals in the second half of the year. Um, not obviously like the players you're playing with definitely get better as you move up the lineup. So that helped a lot. And just figuring out how to get open playing with those guys and how to score on better goalies in the American Hockey League. That took some adjustment for me and um, was one of the big steps. And, you know, just kind of the coaches, they're starting to believe in me a little more. Um, and, you know, Sylvain Lefebvre was the head coach my first year in Hamilton, and he was the head coach in the American League the whole time that I was in the system and, and, you know, it was one of those things we'd started out like a little, uh, a little tricky and kind of ended up, he ended up being one of my biggest supporters in, in North American pro hockey. And evidently after that first year, you end up the next year. And I'm not going to say, I know if it was a call up or if you made it right out of camp, either way, you still get to live out every kid's dream which is playing the nhl especially for the montreal mm -hmm. canadians and original six mm -hmm. team before you talk about like how that experience was like for first game first goal etc i remember watching you on the 24 7 so when pk the the show starts off with pk being followed around and he comes in with his suit in that like yoga mat thing and you were one of the guys eating at the table and right away i'm like i know him I've seen this guy before. Like, I just, it was just like cool to like, like see, like, you know, your, your first year is the year that they're doing the 24 seven Montreal versus Boston. Like that must've been cool too, uh, to be a part of that. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, it was really cool. I think, um, I remember that I was sitting next to Dale Weiss and PK walked in wearing the, his, uh, uh, let's call her a maroon fur coat and um some kind of fedora hat and uh dale and i just looked at each other and was like i don't think i could pull that off you <laughs> so it was uh it was a really cool experience um the i got uh so i i, I actually got sent down at the start of that year um and got called up kind of end of november um so it was right going into the winter classic and um i i got my first game in carolina and i got scratched the first two games i was called up and we were in carolina my family was actually there for my the first two games that i was called up in montreal and my mom dad and brother all just guessed and flew to carolina that i might play there um, I actually didn't find out I was playing till like 11 o'clock in the morning of the game. And, um, I, uh, it was one of the coolest experiences and I, I got, uh, I was fortunate enough to score my first shift, uh, with, uh, actually PK and Andre Markov on the ice, which was super cool. And, um, 
And uh, one of the coolest parts, actually, being from Edmonton and growing up in Edmonton was Tom Gilbert was on the team at the time. And Tom Gilbert played for the Oilers forever prior to this. And um, uh, Gilbo ended up skating by me and goes, well, that's one way to start. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, yeah, that was just something that I remember being very special as someone who grew up watching Tom Gilbert play for the Oilers. And then him saying that to me right after I scored my first NHL goal was um, something that was really cool. So, One other thing I wanted to ask you about just came to me was you're one of those guys that was able to play. I know he was injured a lot, but was it be able to play with Carey Price? And I'm just wondering, like, I mean, that guy's resume speaks for itself, but like, he seems like just like a great person as well. But then like on the ice, you know, that guy was just always able when healthy to find a way to, you know, get, I, I would say get Montreal further than most people would have predicted because he was always just, especially yeah. in playoffs was on his game. He like, Terry's a really, really good person. Like he's a really good guy. Um, and we used to like guys would be betting on how many times we could score on carry in practice. And a lot of days the over under was two because when he was healthy, he was that good. Like you didn't get the score in him in practice. And, um, it, when he was on his game, just watching him play, it was unbelievable. Um, and like, you don't, don't realize how big he is until you're on the ice with him. And he's always so he was always so square that you, you literally look and you have nothing to shoot at is the first problem. And the second problem is he knows where you're going to shoot before you do. So like I like I just remember like uh, coming in, shooting on him and just like, like I said, guys, we, we'd all count how much we scored on price for that day. And like even Patrick like over under was like two and he was that good. And it was. um you know, I think his health and uh, injury problems are, are kind of a tragedy for the game um, because of how good he is. And, you know, I hope like I still talk to him every now and again, but I hope he's uh, doing well. And, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time, but he was one of the guys that always for being how elite he was as a player that he always had time for everybody. And um He's just a really, really good guy. There's just some people that play in the NHL and for whatever reason, health, uh, loyalty to one team, uh, bad luck, like they just can never win a cup. And he's like one guy that like, there's probably a list of maybe like five guys in my mind where I'd be like, that guy deserved one in his career for everything like he did for Montreal, for he did for the game, for he did for Team Canada. So um, yeah, I hope he's doing doing well and it must have been so cool being that good where guys are coming in and you just know already where they're shooting and, yeah. and uh you know it looks easy for those guys but uh but back to you um one thing i i thought would be cool to talk to you about is you know you were a guy that would get sniffs throughout your north american career and then you, you'd always have that like up and down and i'm just i'm just curious like how was that experience for you for those five, six years that you were playing, you know, AHL, NHL, and also like, I guess for the young listeners, like, like how did you mentally get through it? Because obviously you'd go to the AHL, you would put up points and you would obviously, you know, be a very productive AHLer and you go up to the NHL, you'd even play well in the roles you were given, but you couldn't like find a way to, to stay for whatever reason, like not saying it had anything to do with, with you, but how, how was that like mentally for you? Because I think that's something like important to talk about. Yeah, I, I think it's really tough. I think um, it's one of those things that, you know, different, everyone gets different opportunities at different times and you never know when your opportunity is going to come. Um, and I, I think for different players and different guys that are different sizes, guys that are different, um, have different strengths you know some of it is who's the coach at the time is all, is also a factor um and i think for me one thing even though i was older starting pro hockey i started pro hockey at 22 um i think one thing that i that was a big learning experience for me was 
I wish I was more mature when I played for Michelle Perrion. Um, Michelle Perrion is a very good coach. Um, X's and O's wise, getting the right guys on the ice at the right time. Michelle Perrion is a very good coach. Um, I came back my third year pro. I made Montreal out of camp. And Mike wanted me to play hard but make plays. And I just stopped making plays. And I think um, I ended up getting sent down in March. I had one goal or two goals on the year where the year before I had six goals in 20 games. Um, and I, I just got away from being me and doing the things that had got me there. Um, and one of the things with a guy like Michelle Terry, cause he's, he's really tough. Like he's, he's a, he's a grinder and he, he, he wishes he's still playing. And, and I mean that as a compliment. Um, and I wish I was more mature at the time to learn from that, to learn that he, this guy likes me. I just need to do these things and be myself. He doesn't want me to be anybody but myself. Um, and you know, I, I had got away from that that year and I got sent down, uh, big Mike actually ended up getting fired a couple of weeks after I got sent down. They hired Claude Julian. Um, and, uh, but I learned from that, you know, I, I came back in the following year and came back, I got put on waivers at the start of the year. Um, I had some personal problem. My dad had passed away and lots going on. And, um, but I came back with just like a renewed attitude towards hockey um, and kind of a renewed gratitude towards hockey. And I think going up and down or to different levels to different levels, I think that's one of the biggest things to, for me um, is just choosing to be grateful to be able to play hockey or choosing to be grateful for whatever you get to do um, and, and remembering that there's a big difference in your attitude between, oh, I have to go to the rink today and oh, I get to go to the rink today or I have to go to work today or I get to go to work today. Um, and I, I think that's a big thing for me. And I, and I, as I were speaking about this and I think back over my career, when I was able to have success, there was definitely that I get to go to the rink today attitude. Um, and, but that experience from with Michelle Perrion got me back to that, just be myself, go out there, make plays. And, and you know what, when you're on the third or fourth line as a young, as a younger guy, you don't have a, as long a leash, but, and there's times when you got to make a read that you want to try to make this play. But if I turn the puck over at the blue line, I'm probably not going to play um, that you have to chip it in. And, and, but there are still times on the ice to make plays and um, getting back to being myself and, and having that, I think, really extended my career in North America and got me back to, in Montreal that following season. And, um, you know, I, even wherever, like wherever I was the following years, it, it, it got me a lot more opportunities. It's a really respectable and great way to look at it. And I hope a lot of people listening also look at it like that. And it's not always easy to look at it like you said, but it is like, I get to play hockey today, whether it's AHL or Switzerland or NHL versus, oh man, I have to play today. And yeah. that's something that I think a lot of people, like everyone has their bad days, as I said. So it's not, it's not pretty every day. You're not always going to have that motivation, yeah. but mo more times and less, if you can think like that, like good things happen. And like I said, you were everywhere you've been in the AHL, you've put up points. You've always gotten chances in the NHL and you've always been able to put up points in probably your limited time like vegas you put up a goal in six games um nashville you had a goal in 11 games when you came back uh i believe it was the covid year that when you first went to lugano like when you came back yeah. you got a chance at washington you still put up a point so like my point my point was like i was just curious like how the the mindset was but clearly you have the pedigree wherever you go like you're you're finding a way um how did the opportunity for, for Switzerland happen? Like, I guess I would start first with the, the COVID year. Obviously, the 2021 season was COVID had just happened. Nobody knew if, like, Europe was even going to happen. Um, how did that opportunity come about for you? Um, I had had teams calling me to come over for, like, a number of years. Um, 
and Lugano had always been one of them. Um, and that COVID year, you know, they were trying to see if the season was going to go. They didn't know if it was going to be stop and start all year, but they wanted to try it to start. Um, so they actually offered me a contract that had an NHLO clause in it. Um, so that I had a six week contract with an NHLO and um, kind of, they were like, well, come try it, see what you think of it here and see where you want to go. Our general managers from Edmonton actually in Lugano. So I've known him for a long time and um, he had been trying to get me to come here forever, as I said. And so it was, my agent called me and was like, He's like, Dan, this is an unbelievable deal. You got to take this. Um, and so I did. And my my agent is Steve Bartlett, who, uh, I, in my opinion, is one of the best, not only the best agent in hockey, but he's one of the best people in hockey. Um, and one of the most, definitely one of the most respected people in hockey. And when Steve actually... Normally, Steve, it's always a conversation where he kind of tries to help you make your own decision. When he tells me that this is an unbelievable deal, you need to take this, I listen. Um, and so I came over and I liked it. I, I loved it. I spent um, six weeks here. I um, I was really enjoying it. Uh, and then Peter Laviolette was the head coach in Nashville when I was there. Um, part of the reason that I signed there and I was mixed on whether I wanted to go back to North America and on free agency day, um, my agent called me and said that Washington had just called them. Do I want to come back? And, um, it was kind of one of that thing that my dream was still to try to get back and try to play in the NHL. And, um, I decided to go back and, uh, that COVID year in the NHL was a really long year. I, uh, Washington was great, but as the Washington Capitals often are, they're right against the salary cap. I think one day, one day we had four dollars of cap space, um, and I was on the taxi squad all year, and I was very fortunate. For most of the year, they treated me like I was on the team. I was in the dressing room with the guys um, and traveling with the guys, and they just treated me like I was on the team. But because of the cap situation no one could play so there was games that there'd be four of us on the taxi squad sitting in the press box and we'd have 17 players playing because there was four dollars in cap space nobody else was allowed to play um so it was a it was a long year but as you know a few times guys went down with covid and i was able to get six games in and um in playoffs uh, i actually played my last game in the nhl it was a playoff game in boston washington with washington um and uh that was like i i remember when we lost out i was like you know what i think i'm good um that was a great way to end it and um over here and go over to europe and enjoy uh enjoy a little different role in hockey and um yeah it's good that you like had that i would say maturity or like understanding that you were comfortable being like you know what I've had my chance in the NHL. I've had more than probably some people, or there's a lot of people that would love to have had the chance I've had. I'm good. I'm going to go now focus uh, on Europe because obviously Switzerland's a great place to play. And Lugano, you've been there for, uh, if you include the COVID year, this would be your fourth year there. Uh, I'm curious. So uh, I had a I had a fan right in, aka Juice. Um, <laughs> just wanted to talk about, obviously, your dog, Judge. And how you guys have been overseas for the last couple of years, kind of like him and Charlie yeah. and just, uh, yeah, how judges obviously helped you. Cause obviously having a companion, like a, like a dog obviously helps you, you know, go overseas. Cause you know, moving to Switzerland, you know, it's not, it's not always easy. Like you guys are obviously treated well, but how's, how's the experience been for you and judge? It's if you asked us both, I think we'd both have the same answer. Like it's been awesome. Um, I mean, Judge uh, is the same Australian Shepherd as Josh has, and it's uh, he loves it over here. Uh, we got off the, or I tell him we're going to the airport, and he knows where we're going, and he's super excited. Um, um, I think my experience here has changed a little bit from being 
simply a hockey experience to being a combination of hockey and life. Um, and I think that's enhanced my hockey experience here. Uh, I am very fortunate that uh, I have a lot of friends in Lugano now outside of hockey. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet some great people. And I give the example of last year at Easter. I had to turn down an Easter invite. I was invited by one family to Easter Sunday brunch, another family Easter Sunday dinner, and another family to Easter Monday. Uh, they do like a brunch here on Easter Monday. And, and it's, I am very so blessed that like, I feel included in the culture here. Now I feel included in the community here. Now I have lots of friends and I think that's really enhanced, like how happy I am at the rink and how happy I am to, you know, immerse myself in this culture. I'm actually taking Italian lessons now. Um, and it's getting a lot better. Like I can understand a conversation uh, someone who only speaks italian can understand a conversation with me it's not pretty but uh it's only getting better so um i love it here uh the nice thing about europe just in general is you can bring your dog everywhere um our my dog comes for dinner with me every time i go um and he loves it here so it's it's been awesome and having him as my companion here especially at the start as i was getting to know people as i was getting to know the city was just amazing um yeah so i'm very 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 lucky to have this dog well the adjustment like anywhere in europe doesn't matter where it is switzerland germany italy france whatever like it's obviously it's different from north america and to have someone like judge with you it obviously makes things easier but i one thing you brought up which i think is good and if there's anyone interested who is going to go to europe in their life to do whatever a professional sport or live there like you've embraced yourself in the culture. So as you said, you've made friends outside of hockey, which is huge because it makes life easier because some people, they only know teammates. And then when the teammates are around, they have no one else to hang out with. Or if the teammates are busy, they have no one to hang out with where you have, you know, these other families, friends that you've made, you have obviously judges, I said, and also the fact that you're learning the language, because I will say this from personal experience, when you can learn your country's native tongue or like be able to understand it a bit it's like a whole, a whole new door opens in terms of like living because you're not afraid to go places if someone speaks to you you don't just like freeze up in front of them which kind of you know puts a negative on your experience in europe like you as you said your your italian might not be pretty but you're you can understand people when they speak to you and you can give some sentences back and they probably understand you i think that goes a long way in living abroad well, I, I think it's just a, a general principle in in life that, you know, and I think it ties back to what we were talking about is like our experience at Union with Rick Bennett running it. It is where you make it. Um, and moving to Europe or move, doing anything new, it kind of is where you make it. Like you got choices to make and you can either say yes or no. And when you come to Europe, it's like, do you want to learn the language or do you not? It, your answer to those questions is going to determine your own experience. And I think like learning Italian here, saying yes to invites from people at the start that I barely knew and I've become really good friends with. Um, uh, I think a lot of those, a lot of something like moving to Europe or moving or just in general, saying yes to things just enhances your experience. And I, I think. It's definitely changed my experience to Lugano. This place feels like home to me now. And um, I said, I was so excited to get back here for this year. And so was Judge. And yeah, it's, I'm excited for what comes for us this year. Yeah, you guys have a, a good team again. So I'm, I'm very excited to be watching you guys. One person I wanted to ask you about, um, Juice told me to bring it up, but I, actually I remember watching him when he was the coach in Geneva back when I was in France. I used to be an hour away from there, but uh Chris McSorley obviously uh, was your coach for for a bit there. Like he's he's a, for me he's a very well known guy in Swiss hockey. Um, yeah. I believe he's in the second league now in Sierra or somewhere. But uh, um, how was he for you with your experience with him? Like uh, what was he able to help you with, teach you kind of along the way to the European game? I really liked Chris. Chris and I are still good friends. Um, 
you know, I, I think Chris really helped me with adjusting to the European games in terms of in European game in terms of what plays to make versus what plays not to make here. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a different style of hockey here. Your role as an import is different um, than just playing in North America, and it's I, he really helped me adjust to that. He really helped me just as Chris can do better than anybody else, lay it out for you in black and white. Um, and Chris and I are really good friends. I, I really enjoyed Chris as a coach and as a person in general to learn about Switzerland from. He's been here a long time. Um, he knows the Swiss ice hockey in and out. And um, he's now the, I think he's the president or He's one of the executives for Sierra in the second league and here in Switzerland. And I'm excited to see what he does with it. And I suspect it will not take Chris long to get Sierra into the first league. So um, it's uh, he's an interesting guy. And if you ever get the chance to talk to him, do because you you learn a lot very quickly. Yeah, I'd love to one day. And uh, yeah, in Sierra, I just from hearing about it and, and Josh, like, I think they're trying to put some money in to obviously go up there. And I know that they just, uh, I think they signed Corey Emerton from, uh, from Lausanne. I believe he's yeah. there now. So yeah, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do. Hopefully they can, uh, find their way up. Um, a couple more here before, before I let you go, obviously, as I said, you're back in Lugano this year. I believe you have another year after this on your contract, at least according yeah. to elite prospects, but how long, uh, do you plan on playing for and have you ever thought about any plans like after hockey um i don't have the answer for that yet how long i'm going to play i think um kind of i don't think hockey's going to tell have to tell me it's time to be done i think i'll know when it's time to be done and um but i think coming back this year being healthy again after last year and i just excited to see how i feel out there excited to play and um uh, you know i think it's a completely different feeling and kind of a rejuvenating feeling for me back in hockey this year and um so i, I don't have the answer to that uh, i think kind of bigger picture i've always said hockey's not going to have to tell me when i'm done i'll know um and uh so i and i kind of want to stick to that i don't i don't want to be the guy that it's on the ice and everyone being like, why is this guy still playing? So um, I think that's kind of where I stand with it. And then after hockey, I don't know. I, I have my master's degree, so I have my master's in general business. And uh, with that, I can allow to be a professor at a university and U of A has a hockey class or University of Alberta has a hockey class and something along the lines of being an assistant coach at a university program in Edmonton or somewhere wherever I, I think that interests me and um helping younger players learn lessons that it took me a lot longer to learn i think that's something i would enjoy to kind of give back to the game no that'd be that'd be perfect to be honest i also in my head was just smirking because i was like well maybe by then your italian will be perfect and you could be a coach <laughs> in lugano if they need it. yeah yeah yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens with life here. I, like I said, yeah, I'm kind of on uh, on a new path in life, and I'm interested to see uh, where it goes, and excited to enjoy the journey. Yeah, definitely enjoy the enjoy the journey. As go out on your own terms, but at the same time, I've I've told many players this: like for those who can still play and are able to do it, like play as long as you can, and like yourself, like having a master's, I think you'll be fine whenever whenever that ends but um two more here for you uh when you look at your career obviously it's still going uh so that's obviously very fortunate but did you think you would have had the career you've had when you look back like being able to play in the nhl every kid dreams of it but did you think it could actually be a reality like when you look back on all this i've never really thought about it i uh I don't know. I, I was, I feel always starting with like my parents. I feel very grateful that I always had people around me that believed in me. Um, 
and kind of help me believe in myself. So I don't, I don't really have an answer to that. I think kind of, uh, I guess a, a half-hearted answer is me and another guy were in Lugano, Joey Lelegi and I were talking yesterday that it's been 10 years of pro hockey for both of us. And um, yeah, it's like kind of had to think about that for a minute because when I was playing four minutes a night in Hamilton, my first month of pro hockey, I didn't think I was going to make it six months. And here we are 10 years later. And um, yeah, it's been a wild journey, but I'm kind of grateful I got to be on it and learn learn a lot and learn a lot of lessons along the way it's crazy man where life where life yeah. takes you and as you said yeah. hamilton you weren't sure how long this would go and here you are 10 years later so it's it's awesome to see um last one here and i think this one's always good to end on i like to kind of pick your brain on this but also like give some advice for the younger generation so if you have one piece or maybe multiple pieces of advice if you do what would you give your younger self and maybe the younger generation so if you're speaking to daniel carr who younger daniel carr who's 16 years old what a piece of advice or multiple piece of advice would you give him i think the uh, and, and i think it, it also depends if someone's ready to hear this advice, my dad gave me this advice in his own way. Um, but I wasn't ready to understand it yet. Um, the external rewards don't matter. The, the getting drafted, the, you know, getting selected for like an all-star team, the getting selected for the, they don't really matter. What matters most is the getting better every day and constantly. Um, and figuring out, okay, what are my weaknesses and how am I going to get them better? And what's the best way to get them better? Um, I give the example of, I work with this um, power skating coach. I worked with Paul Vincent forever out of Boston he helped me immensely. Um, but Paul could never get me to learn how to step ahead. And what I mean by that is after every stride, you step further ahead. Um, I've started at home working with this Vanessa Hedinger. Uh, and I started going into the year where I made it back to Montreal. She taught me how to do it in four minutes. And I think when I what I mean by that is like the external rewards are just kind of little cookies along the way. How you get to where you want to be at the highest level you can reach is just constantly getting better. Um, the one piece of like, I don't even want to call it political advice, but cause it's not, but just like the structure and the system of pro hockey, I think I would give to anybody turning pro. And I heard this on a different podcast. And um, the head coach of the LA Kings said it, it's make it in diapers, make it in your first organization um, and stay there as long as you can, because the grass is not greener on the other side. And I learned that the hard way. Um, I had offered a really good contract in Montreal to go back. I was a restricted free agent. They didn't want to go to arbitration because I would have got, as I, and I'll admit this, way more than I was worth. Um, and I wanted to go try somewhere else. Um, and I wouldn't say I was a full-time NHL yet. I thought I was going to go somewhere else and just be a full-timer. And I ended up going to Vegas and getting waived out of training camp after having 16 points in 30 games a year before in the NHL. Um, and I think that make it in diapers and stay there as long as you can um, in terms of pro hockey is some advice that I wish I was ready to hear when I was younger. Um, and no, I don't, I don't regret it. I had a great year in Chicago in the American league. Um, I got the privilege of playing for Rocky Thompson and becoming really close with him and some other guys. And it was, uh, it was a great year for me personally, but I think the make it in diapers advice is really, really sound in terms of 
pro hockey in North America. I've definitely never heard that before, but like the way you explain it, it obviously makes a lot of sense. And obviously you had examples to, to kind of back it up. So that is definitely a, a good way to look at it. I think if, if, you know, cause I think this is just my taking from it, but obviously if the organization that first gives you the chance believes in you. So if you can find a way to, to work your way up there and kind of stay in that organization, I mean, there's, as we've talked about, there's circumstances where you can't and yeah, you know, it's different. Yeah. It's, it's different in every circumstance, but I think the general premise of it, of like, if you have the choice to stay or go stay, Mm -hmm. um, they like you there and you can always earn more opportunity in certain organizations. It takes a long time in some, um, but you can always earn more opportunity. And uh, I think it's, that was kind of the advice I got given. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to earn a lot of opportunity in a lot of different organizations. And um, I'm kind of looking back at my career. I'm very grateful for it. So, yeah. And just like to your point to the, the external rewards, like for example, could you go somewhere else for maybe a little more money or could you stay with our organization for a little less money, but you're going to have the internal opportunity, as you said, the, the more chances to work your way up and then you'll get rewarded down the road. And that's a big debate for a lot of people because they, they look at it like that way and be like, okay, I want to stay loyal to this team. Or they look at it from the other side being like, you know, what happens if it doesn't work out this year? What happens if I get hurt? Then I've missed my ticket for, for just the quote unquote it there. So, but no, I, I definitely agree with what you say. And, uh, I was always like that too. When I played, to be honest, like I didn't really want to change because I, I get comfortable places and I think they're comfortable with me. I'm comfortable with them and I know I'll play better. You go to a new, t- an organization, then it's almost like you're proving yourself again. And it, you know, if, if not dealt with the right way, you could add some unwanted pressure to yourself. So, yeah. I agree. And yeah, and you're, they know you as a person there too. And mm-hmm. so if they want you to stay, I think take that, take the compliment and stay. Um, so it was uh, a lesson for me, certainly, and one that I'm eager to pass along to younger players. No, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, again, I appreciate you taking the time today. This was awesome. Um, a lot of great advice, a lot of great kind of wisdom to everything you've been through feedback and just you know helping the younger generation that's the point of this podcast so thank you again i wish you all the best this year um juice wanted me to remind you that uh you know you're only as good as your last game so uh right now it's one nothing geneva in that category even though you guys did beat them the year before i do know that but as i said it's who, who remembers two years ago so uh I'm excited to see your guys' rivalry this year. The union bond is still there. And uh, yeah, Karzi, I appreciate you taking the time again. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Erzy. Talk soon. And for those listening, until next week, cheers and ciao.